Good morning. You can be seated. For our scripture reading, um, I will be reading from Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all these who were speaking Galileans? How is it that each one of us can hear them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Alamites, and those living in Mesopotamia, in Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. Amen. And so, um, for those who don't know me, I think everyone knows me here, but my name is Caleb. I'm the pastoral assistant here at Reconcile, and it is a pleasure to be sharing God's word with you this morning. Uh, for those who don't know, today is Pentecost Sunday, um, and I'm jacked up about it. We are going to be preaching about Pentecost, um, Acts chapter 2. So, who all has run out of gas in their car before? Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Um, it's terrible when you run out of gas because you're, you're just driving along. You're thinking to yourself, I can make it to the gas station. I, know, I probably still have two or three miles left in it. I can get there. And you're just driving, and all of a sudden your car starts to slow down. It starts to glue, glue, glue. You pull over, and your car shuts off. And you're like, man, I didn't do it. I didn't make it. Um, the, the thing that's frustrating about running out of gas is that your car still works. It's a, it's a functioning car. It, nothing is broken in the car. You just don't have the power needed for the car to actually function and to work the way it's supposed to. And so you can have the best car in the world, but if it's sitting in your garage and you don't have any gas, there's nothing you can do. It's just going to sit in your garage. Everyone was kind of freaking out a couple weeks ago when there was the gas shortage because it was like, man, I, I need to be able to get places. And if I don't have gas, then my car is pointless. I just got to walk or drive a bike or something like that. Um, and I, I, I remember one time I, I ran out of gas. Um, I was with my dad and we were coming home from a job site. We ran out of gas. And so we had to go. We got the gas tank out from the back, walk to the gas station, fill it up, come back to the car built the car, and then we're able to drive to the gas station. But it's never fun running out of gas. And the way that this connects with the, the scripture today is that the Spirit is the energizing power for our Christian life. We can have all of the knowledge about God. We can have all of the, the, the list of the right things that we're supposed to do. 
But if we don't have the spirit, if we don't have that energizing power in us, we cannot live the Christian life the way it's supposed to be lived. We don't have the power to obey. We don't have power to fulfill the mission of God apart from the spirit of God living inside of us, empowering us to move forward. The spirit is kind of like the gas that moves our car forward. So that's what we're going to uh, be learning about today is Pentecost Sunday, the, the, the birth of the church, the beginning of the church as we know it today. And it, it, it was on this day that the spirit came and filled people. And now we get to live in the part of redemptive history where we have the spirit indwelling inside of us, where we have that energy, we have access to that power to live the Christian life. And so let's pray and we're going to jump into the text. God, I pray that you would help me to preach the word with clarity and boldness. I pray that I would um, not get in the way of the text. I pray that you would speak your words through me. I pray that, um, that it would be clear. I pray that you would help um, my nerves and that you would open people's hearts to receive your word this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so verse 1, it starts off, it says, When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Now, let's back up a little bit. Who are they? What's going on? What happened? Well, in the, in the chapter before, Jesus had gathered with all of his disciples, and he ascended into heaven. He gave them some final last words before he ascended. And so the, the people who it's talking about here are the disciples of Jesus. There was roughly about 120 people who had been following Jesus and his ministry, and they decided that they were going to stay together. Right before Jesus had um, ascended into heaven, he said, he told them to go and to preach the gospel to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so you would think that after he said that and he sent it into heaven, they would be go out. They would go into all the nations and they would start preaching the gospel to people, baptizing people, teaching people to obey what, what Jesus had taught them. But that's not what they're doing. Because Jesus had also said another thing. Jesus had said um, in, in, in Acts chapter 1, he told them not to leave Jerusalem until they had received the Father's promise. And the promise was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is telling his disciples, I w this is the mission that I have for you, to go and to preach the gospel in all nations. But you cannot do this mission apart from the power that comes from baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells his disciples to sit and to wait in Jerusalem until the Spirit comes. Then you can go do the mission that I have given you to accomplish. He said that it is more important that you receive the Spirit than that you go and try to do the work on your own. He's saying it is impossible for you to accomplish this work apart from the power of the Spirit. So wait and the Spirit will come. 
And so the disciples were actually obedient and they were sitting in Jerusalem expectantly waiting for the spirit to come. They, they believed that the spirit was going to come. They believed Jesus' words that the spirit was going to come. And they also believed the Old Testament. All throughout the prophets in the Old Testament, there are promises that the spirit is going to come, that God would send his spirit to live in us, to help him, to cause us to obey him. That, that the, the spirit would come and, and would help us to prophesy. These are promises in the Old Testament that the disciples believed about the Holy Spirit. And so they were sitting there in Jerusalem, in a room, all together, expectantly waiting for the coming of the Spirit. But they weren't just simply sitting there, waiting, doing nothing. It says they were doing a couple things. So in Acts 1.14, it says they were continually united in prayer. So why? they were waiting for the spirit to come the disciples are gathered together praying saying Lord would you send your spirit would you come and would you give us power so that we can actually accomplish the mission that you have set before us so that's one thing they were united in prayer the next thing is that they were in fellowship together with one another They were sitting together in the room. They didn't go off to their own respective houses and wait. They they didn't go back to their jobs or whatever. They sat in the room together waiting, saying, Lord, it is so important that we receive the Spirit, that we're not going anywhere until you send your Spirit. We are going to sit here and we're going to wait. We're going to pray for one another and we are going to just be present waiting for your spirit to come, because it's so important. And that brings us to verse 2. What happened when the spirit came? It says, suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each each of them. And so here we see that the Spirit manifests himself in power. The Spirit always shows up in power, in miraculous, crazy ways. Think about it. When you are looking in Scripture and it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit, whoever it was, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, what do you expect to happen next? Are you expecting it to just be chill, like No, something incredible and amazing is about to happen. In in the book of Judges, Samson, it says he was filled with the Holy Spirit and a lion came upon him and he tore it apart with his bare hands. In, in, uh, In Judges, it says that Gideon was filled with the Holy Spirit and that Israel's oppressors were defeated with only 300 people. That an entire army was destroyed by 300 people. Countless people in the Old Testament and New Testament prophesied when they were filled with the Spirit. People received visions. Demons were casted out. People received boldness to preach the gospel through persecution and through suffering. People are healed. This is what we expect to happen when the Spirit comes. It's not just a a small thing. The Spirit always comes in power. And he shows up in crazy, powerful ways. 
And so what is this talking about with the, the wind and the fire? Like what, what is happening here? Well, wind and fire are both Old, Old Testament pictures of the presence of God. So look back all the way in Genesis in the beginning when God is creating everything. It says that the, the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the water. So it's like God is, is present there in creation. And then in, in Exodus, when Moses is called to deliver the people of, of Israel out of Egypt, it says that a burning bush spoke to Moses. So God was present there speaking to Moses through a burning bush. And then as, as Moses led the people out of Egypt, they were led by a pillar of fire at night. And then when they dedicated the tabernacle in the wilderness, fire came from heaven and, and uh, it, it received the sacrifice that they had put on the altar. And this fire was supposed to be kept burning forever. Then when they dedicated the temple, the same thing happened. Fire came down. And this is God saying, I am here. I am present. I am happy with this right here. I'm pleased. And so what is happening with the fire in this passage that we're looking at here? Well, it says the tongues of fire came down and they set on the disciples' heads. Think about how crazy this is. That before God's presence was either the temple or the tabernacle or just random things here and there. But now... After Pentecost, the fire comes and it sets on the heads of the disciples. This is God saying, I am present now in you. That you don't have to go to the temple to be in my presence. You don't have to go to the tabernacle. I don't have to show up in some crazy way through a, a fiery bush or through a, a, a pillar of fire at night. But I am here present in you, in my disciples today. This is incredible news for us because we are now indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. We have access to his power today. And, and the Spirit demonstrates his power through the church. So here, the, it, there was the 120 disciples who, who began to preach the gospel. But today, in the church, we see the power of God in display through the church. That people are brought from death to life. People are healed. People are prophesied over. We see the power of God in display right now through the church by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And the Spirit empowers the church through spiritual gifts. So what's the gifts that were present in, in this passage? It says, they were, this is verse 4, They were then all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So the disciples, they begin to speak in different languages that they did not know, that they had probably never heard before. They begin to speak these languages by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit is empowering people to advance the reign of Jesus on the earth. 
It's basically like Jesus, when he ascended into heaven, he is passing the baton to the next person who's going to run the relay. Jesus is like, I have run my race. Now, wait, the Holy Spirit is going to come. He's going to empower you. And then you run with all of your might and you will be the advancement of my kingdom on the earth today. And that's what we see that the church is on every continent. There's, there's countless languages of people who, who proclaim Christ as their savior. There's people of every race, every ethnicity, every culture, every background who confess the name of Jesus. The church is the present day reign and rule of Christ on the earth until he returns. And it's all possible by the power of the Holy Spirit who gifts people in the church for the advancement of the church and for the building up of the church. And we are now, it's not like just little things here and there, although it is, but we are also indwelt all the time by the Holy Spirit. Think about how crazy it is. The, whole, the Holy Spirit isn't like a, a, a demigod or something like that. The Holy Spirit is the fullness of God. The fullness of God lives in us today, empowering us to live the Christian life, empowering us to advance the church. This is good news, guys. It's the same spirit that Jesus from the dead. The same spirit that empowered people in the Old Testament and New Testament lives in us today to empower us to live the Christian life. Because do we need power? Yes, we need power. The Christian life is hard. There is suffering. There is persecution. There are all sorts of things that come at us. We need the power of God in us so that we can do the things that we are called to do. And we have it. If you confess Jesus, if you repent of your sins, if you trust in Christ, you have the spirit indwelling in you. You have access to that power so that then God can change your heart and start causing you to do things that before you were Christian, you did not want to do. He starts giving you power to say no to things that before you were a Christian, you really wanted to do. This is the power that we need. So so the Spirit comes and he brings power to the church. But he also does one more thing. He brings unity. Look at verse 5 through 11. It said there were Jews staying in Jerusalem. Devout people from Where? Every nation under heaven. Let's say that again. That's good news. Every nation under heaven. When the sound occurred, a crowd came together and they were confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and amazed saying, look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language? Then it starts listing all the people who were there present. Parthians, Medes, we don't know who. We, 
You're like, who are these people? I'll explain it in a second. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who lived in Mesopotamia, in Judea, in Cappadocia, Pontus, in Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans, and Arabs. They said, we hear them declaring that the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. Let me take you back. In Genesis chapter 11, the, it, it'll make sense in a second. In Genesis chapter 11, there were all the peoples of the earth were gathered together. They, they all spoke one language and they were gathered together. And God had told them to fill the earth and subdue it. And they said, no. They said, we're going to stay together and we're going to build a tower all the way to heaven. And we will make a name for ourselves. So all the peoples of the earth who spoke one language gathered together in corporate sin, in corporate rebellion against God. They said, we don't care about you. We want to get to heaven on our own and we want to make a name for ourselves so that everyone on the earth can know how awesome we are. And blatant rebellion against God. What did that lead to? Their sin led to division and them being scattered across the earth. God said, no, we can't do this. So I'm going to confuse their languages and separate them. Let's come back to Acts chapter 2. What's happening? We have people who speak all kinds of languages all across the earth. It says every nation under heaven where they're gathered together. And what happens? The apostles are empowered by the Spirit to speak in their languages. And so everyone who speaks different languages, are, is, are, they're able to understand the disciples preaching the gospel in their own language. So where once the world was divided by sin, they are now united under Christ by the gospel, by the power of the Spirit. And this is the beginning of the church. The church designed from the very beginning was a diverse group of people from, un, from every nation under heaven gathered together. They spoke different languages. They had different jobs. They were different cultures but they gathered together and they became the church. And that day there was 3,000 people who were saved after, pre after Peter had preached the gospel. 3,000 people from every nation under heaven gathered together and they become the church. From the beginning, the church was multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-language. This is the picture that we see. And this is good news. Because the Spirit has power to bring unity to the church. All, all, those, all those nations that it had listed, basically, there were Africans in the mix, there were Middle Easterners in the mix, and there were Europeans. So from the very beginning, the church was full of Africans, Middle Easterners, and Europeans. It's a diverse mix of people. And listen to this in, in Acts 2.42, later on in the chapter. Listen to what this diverse group of people 
were doing. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, that's communion, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers who were together and held all things in common, they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. Is that not unity? Is that not the picture that we want to see here in Welcome? That every day they devoted themselves to hearing the word of God preached. They devoted themselves to fellowship, to hanging out with one another, to sharing communion together, to prayer. And they were hanging out in each other's houses. And they had all things in common. They said, yeah, this is mine, but what's mine is yours now. We're just going to share everything together. They sold their possessions. They sold their houses. And they said, if anyone has need, I I have some stuff that I can give you. And I feel like a lot of times when we hear this passage, we think about it as like, oh yeah, it's just all one people group. No, these people did not know each other. These were people from from every nation under heaven. They spoke different languages. They had just met each other. 3,000 people decided that because of the gospel, because the power of the spirit, they were going to join together and they were going to be united. This is the power of the spirit that he is able to unite people from different backgrounds, different cultures, because it is the same gospel that saves everyone. We are all in need of a savior and we have a savior who is ready to save everyone. There's a couple ways that the spirit unites us. One, the spirit is available to all who believe. So it's not like if if you're this class, then you get the Holy Spirit or this class, you don't get the Holy Spirit. Everyone, if you trust in Christ, you receive the spirit. He is available to all. It doesn't matter what race you are, how old you are. The the spirit is available to all. The second thing is that the spirit readily gives gifts to all. Look at verse seven. What did the people say? They said, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? That's a, that, that is like a derogative term. It's like, aren't these people like those low class people over there? They don't really have education. They, how do they know all of these languages? How are they gifted? This, the, the, the spirit gives gifts to everyone. There's not like a, a higher class of Christians who receive gifts and then everyone else just, "Eh, no, you don't. There's no second class Christian. We all can receive gifts by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this unites us. This reminds me of of, um, what Paul is talking about in, in, I think it's 1 Corinthians. He says that we are all different members of the same body. 
that the Spirit gives gifts to different people and we all have different gifts and we all have different strengths and weaknesses, but together we are all one body fulfilling the mission of God in the earth. And so if you're a hand, you can't say, no, we don't need the ear. If you're the ear, you, you can't say, no, we don't need the nose. We are all necessary in the expansion of the reign of Jesus on the earth. We're different members of the same body, and that means we are united. And there's no second-class member. We're all equal members of his body. And the Holy Spirit is a free gift. There's nothing you can do to earn him. It's not like you, you level up one day and then you get the Spirit. It's a free gift to all, just like our salvation, that we can't earn our way into heaven. We can't earn the favor of God. God gives it graciously, abundantly. Because of Jesus dying on the cross, we no longer... We no longer are held accountable for our sins because our sins have been paid for by Jesus. There's nothing we can do to make it, make him love us more. And there's nothing we can do to make him love us less. It's the same with the spirit. It's a free gift imparted to us by God's grace. We have access to his power and to the unity that he gives so what should we do with this passage? Well, I think we should do what the apostles did in the beginning. When they were waiting for the Spirit to come, they devoted themselves to prayer and to fellowship. And I think if we want power to see the kingdom of God advance in welcome and beyond... If we want power to plant multiple churches out of this church, we need the power of the Spirit. So we should devote ourselves to fellowship with one another and to prayer. And we have opportunities for prayer. We have a prayer meeting every uh, second and fourth Sunday of the month. But it doesn't just have to be confined to that. We can meet in each other's homes for prayer. We pray on, on Wednesday night at missional community for one another. We pray a lot on Sunday mornings. We have a whole section of prayer. If we want to see the Spirit move and power in our community, we need to devote ourselves to prayer and to fellowship. And then the sec second thing that we can do is Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 14, he said, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. The way the Spirit moves, the, the way He shows His power is through spiritual gifts in the church. And so I think we as a church should desire earnestly that we receive spiritual gifts so that the power of God can be displayed in this community and beyond. That's what I want to see. So let's pray. God, thank you that the Holy Spirit is a free gift that we can receive. 
Thank you that we don't have to earn anything. We don't have to earn your favor. But because of Jesus coming and living the perfect life on the earth and dying on the cross in our place, we are now accepted as your daughters and your sons. That you have adopted us and given us the Holy Spirit as a free gift for us to receive. And so I pray that this morning we would we would devote ourselves to fellowship and to prayer. I pray that we would earnestly desire spiritual gifts and that you would give our church all of the spiritual gifts. We want to see your power in this community. So would you gift this church for your glory? We want to see, like we saw in Acts 2 today, that 3,000 people were saved in one day. We want to see that kind of power here in the church. So would you come and would you fill us with your spirit? Would you give us gifts? For your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.